0: like I almost need to explain to you the foundational place that I come from as I share this word with you. I have the academic training. I have the Masters of Theology. I've done my graduate study.
1: And I had to leave it all behind. The foundation of my coming to you with the word of God is not academic. I don't
0: come to share with you the knowledge of God. The academic study of God. I don't come to share that with you. I come instead to share the
1: real world, actual life with Jesus. Because in the end, that's all that's
0: going to matter. What choices have you made? What decisions have you made? How have you walked that out? And what is Jesus saying to you? Most of us spend much of our time focused on what is our next goal? What is the next thing we need to reach? How do we manage this problem? How do we manage that? How do we... Deal with our time. We have a million things we want to do. How do we get it all done? At some point, we need to stop and say, What is God doing right now?
1: What is God doing this day in your life? And do you know what he's doing, and do you know how to cooperate with him in what he's doing?
0: I've spent way too much time asking God, will you fix this? Will you do that? Will you take care of this problem? I'm not doing much of that anymore. The primary focus of my prayer time is, Lord, what are you doing? How do you want me to work with you? how can I be of help to you? How can I serve you
1: today, Jesus? It's in that context that I want to share a story with you. It's a, it's a vile story. It's hard to even share. If the point were not so powerfully
0: made by God in this story, I wouldn't touch it. It's found in Judges, the 19th chapter. This is in the day when Israel had no king and everybody did as they saw fit. There was a Levite. You know, the Levites were the ones who had charge of the house of God. And he had a concubine. Now, a concubine in that day was a second class wife. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of multiple wives. They're coming to America. You will see more and more in America, husbands with multiple wives.
1: They are asking for much trouble and much sorrow. The biblical
0: New Testament model is one man and one woman makes one family. Not a man and a man, and not a woman and a woman. It's one man and one woman, according to Scripture. Not according to our culture. Not according to our government. Not according to our courts. But we don't go by that. We go by what the Word of God teaches. But in this day, this man had a wife who evidently grew angry and jealous and decided she was going to run home to mommy and daddy.
1: And so she did.
0: And after a time, he decided that she'd cooled down enough, and so he went after her. He was warmly welcomed by his father-in-law. He was brought into the house. They offered him refreshment. He was ready to head back home, and the father-in-law said, no, we're enjoying each other too much. Stay another day. So he stayed another day, and finally on the fifth day, midday, he finally broke away, and he took his wife,
1: and they started back to Ephraim. He had a servant with him. The servant, of course, was to lead the donkey it two donkeys it grows late in the evening and now the question is where do we stop for the night the
0: servant wanted to stay where they were with gentiles the levite said no let's go ahead and let's try to get to one of our people so we find in verse 12, his master replied, No, we won't go into an alien city whose people are not Israelites. We'll go on to Gilbreth. Come, let's try to reach Gilbreth and spend the night in one of these places. So they went on, and the sun set as they neared Gilbreth in Benjamin. There they stopped to rest for the night. They sat in the city square. But no one took them into his home for the night. It was the custom that you would go into the city square, and someone would see you there and invite you into their home as hospitality. There were no days in, you know. No Ramadians. No. No hotels. An old man was coming into the city, and he saw them there, and he invited them to come and stay with him.
1: He convinced them. They went to the house, and as they're in the house,
0: they're enjoying themselves. The scriptures say in verse 22, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. Pounding on the door, they shouted to the old man who owned the house, bring out the man who came to
1: your house so we can have sex with him. Well, this was a vile offense. It was unconscionable. And so the man went out and he tried
0: to talk with his neighbors and tell them, please, you can't
1: do this. This man is under my protection. So instead, they offer the wives to go out and take care of these men.
0: The concubine is sent out. She was raped and abused throughout the night.
1: And finally, when she got free, she came back and she fell down at the door. And she died. The next morning when the when the men got up, he went out to find his wife. And he found her dead. He put her on a donkey and carried her home. And when he got home, he took a knife and dismembered her and sent pieces of her body to all of the different tribes of Israel.
0: And everyone who saw it said, such a thing has never been done or seen, not since the day the Israelites came up out of Egypt. Think about it. Consider it. Tell us what to do. There was such rage in Israel against these Benjamites who had committed this wicked sin. The Israelites from Dan to Beersheba. They all assembled before the Lord at Mitzpah, chapter 20, verse 2. The leaders of all the people of the tribes of Israel took their places in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 soldiers
1: armed with swords. And the Israelites said, tell us how this happened. Everyone was shocked and angry.
0: And they came with their swords prepared to deal justice
1: to the men who had committed this wicked act. He tells this story. And then he says, in verse 7, Now all you Israelites
0: speak up and give your verdict. And all the people rose as one man, saying, None of us will go home. Not one of us will return to his house. But now this is what we will do to Gilbreath. We will go up against him as the lot directs. We will take ten men out of every hundred from all the tribes of Israel. So a tenth of the army is going to be sent to this city. When the army arrives, it can give them what they deserve for their vileness done in Israel. So all the men of Israel got together and united as one man against the city. And the tribes of Israel sent men throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What about this awful crime that has been committed among you? Now surrender those wicked men of Gobreth so that we may put them to death and purge this evil from Israel. But the Benjamites would not listen. To their fellow Israelites, from their towns, they came together at Gilbreth to fight against the Israelites. The Benjamites mobilized twenty-six thousand swordsmen from their towns, in addition to seven hundred chosen men living in Gilbreth, and Among all these soldiers, there were seven hundred chosen men who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss you understand the sling in that day was the cannon of our day. It would heave a rock like this at a very high speed. And it was very accurate. So you have 26,000 soldiers to stand against 400,000
1: soldiers. So the Israelites went up to Bethel called the house of God,
0: and they inquired of God with the priest. They said, who of us shall go up to fight against the Benjamites? Now, you already know the answer because you know the blessing of God that was placed on the tribe of Judah. The blessing on the tribe of Judah was that the, the government of Israel would be in their hands. The scepter of the king would
1: not depart from Judah. The Lord replied, Judah shall go first.
0: The next morning, the Israelites got up and pitched camp near Gilbreth. The men of Israel went out to fight the Benjamites and took up battle positions against them at Gilbreth. The Benjamites came out and cut down 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day.
1: 22,000 men of the tribe of Judah died that day. The men of Israel encouraged
0: one another and again took up their positions where they'd stationed themselves the first day, and the Israelites went up and they wept before the Lord until evening. They inquired of the Lord, shall we go up again to battle against the Benjamites, our brothers? The Israelites drew near to Benjamin the second day. This time when the Benjamites came out from Gilbreath to oppose them, they cut down another 18,000
1: Israelites, all of them armed with swords. What's happening? God is bringing judgment on the entire Israelite nation. They are being slaughtered. They have no power to fight the Benjamites. They're being destroyed.
0: And God is sending them up against the Benjamites to be destroyed.
1: Why? What's God doing? That question is so vital
0: to constantly ask ourselves, what is God doing? Because that makes all the difference. Whether you live or
1: die depends not on what you're doing, it depends on what God is doing. the Israelites, all the people. And there they sat weeping
0: before the Lord again. This is the second day of weeping. What I want you to see is that when we go before the Lord and weep over what's happening, it has no power to change anything. You can weep before God for the horrible condition you're in. You can weep before God for the circumstances of your life.
1: And they will not change because you went before God and wept. Notice, they fasted that day until evening. It's not until we begin to deny
0: ourselves that God begins to step in and change what's happening. If we just cry our crocodile tears and think that God in his sentimental heart will look
1: with mercy upon us, not a chance. God doesn't operate that way. Remember what Jesus said? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Until I'm willing to deny myself, there
0: will be no change in the course of my life. Some of you are praying for husbands or wives. Some of you are praying for
1: family members. Some of you even weep over those family members there will be no change until you deny yourself. You have to begin to fast. Step number two. Presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. Until fellowship offerings are offered. Until burnt offerings are offered there will be no change in your situation. We're looking here at the reality of blood. There is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And all of us assume my blood will not be shed.
0: But all of us if we're honest with ourselves, you know the day will come when we will die. Every one of us in this room, 100% mortality rate. And if you're young, you can think, oh,
1: that's not now. Oh, it could be now. It could be the car accident. It could be a robbery. could be 101 different kinds of things that would take your life today. Do you know what
0: God is doing, and are you cooperating with God, or are you running roughshod on your own life, doing what you desire to do, asking God to bless you as you walk in the process of your life?
1: Children of Israel are angry about what's happened. To this, to this wife.
0: They're angry about this sin that has been committed in Israel. And they pull together and they're going to do something about it. And they've got their, their swords and their spears. They've got their chests they're beating on and saying, we're the man, we're the man, we can take him.
1: They couldn't take him. The Benjamites killed them. Shed their blood. And then they brought to God a blood offering. And they denied themselves. And everything changed. Most of you are
0: able to manage your life in the little box that you find yourself in. You go to your job, you go to the grocery store, you have your relationships, you try to keep everything as happy as possible, you try to avoid conflict, you try to just get along and you try to have some fun while you're doing all of that.
1: That's allowing yourself to be totally ignorant of what God is doing.
0: And if you live long enough, your little box is going to get smaller and smaller, and finally it will
1: begin to squeeze the life out of you. If you want the box to open up, if you want out of the box, you're going to have to bring a blood offering to Jesus. You're going to have to bring self-denial to Jesus. I'll show you that in the New Covenant in just a minute.
0: The question again, shall we go up again to battle with Benjamin, our brother, or not? And the Lord responded in in the same manner, go, go. But he changed it. This time he said, I will give them into your hands. So the Israelites set up an ambush. They went up against the Benjamins for the third time. This time, the Benjamites came out, and they killed 30 men in the field. And it looked as though the same thing was going to happen all over again. But this time, the word of God had spoken. So don't look at the circumstances. They could have just withdrawn from the field of battle. But instead of withdrawing from the field of battle, they kept going in spite of the losses they were suffering because God said, I'm going to give them
1: into your hand. Some of you today have been crying out to God for deliverance. It looks like you're getting killed again. The word of God said, keep going. Don't stop. Sometimes when I go to pray, all I can hear God say to me is, don't quit. Don't quit. I'm going to give you deliverance. Lord, I'm getting killed. I'm getting destroyed. I see no deliverance. Don't quit. Keep going. Why, Lord? He doesn't answer why questions. He just says, what is that to you? Keep going. Don't stop. So today, if you feel like you're getting killed, you're in good company. Don't stop. Do what God called you to do. The ambush takes place. And on
0: that day, 25,100 Benjamites were killed with the sword.
1: They were utterly decimated. Remember, they only had 26,000 soldiers.
0: 25, 100 are now dead. And then they try to run. They try to escape the children of Israel. And as they try to escape, they're cut off on every hand. Finally, 600 of them break free and run out into the desert where there is a a place of refuge.
1: And they hide there in the desert. The children of Israel come back. They take an oath that they will not
0: give any of their wives to the Benjamites. And now they go in their rage and their anger, as we are to do. They go beyond what God called them to do. And they destroy all of the cities, they burn them, they kill men, women, children. Animals, they totally destroy every part
1: of Benjamin. And all that remains are 600. Now, do you see why a few years later, God chose a Benjamite to be the first king of Israel? He did not not choose a man from the tribe of Judah.
0: He chose a man from the tribe of Benjamin. These children of Israel had absolutely no mercy and no compassion. But God had great compassion. And now he's trying to restore the tribe of Benjamin and give them dignity and honor. It is always the way of God to try to reestablish us, to try to plant us in fertile soil. It's always the will of God to make us prosper, to make us healthy. It's
1: always the heart of God to bring his children back. And so King Saul is the first king of Israel. A Benjamite.
0: Remember his answer, why would I be chosen? I am the least and my tribe is the least of all the tribes of Israel. He was right. They were the smallest
1: tribe. They were utterly shamed. And God now restores them with dignity.
0: You can read the rest of the story in chapter 21. It'll either make you very mad or you'll laugh while you read it. It's worth taking a look at on how the Benjamites found wives. I'd like to read for you in the book of Ephesians, (coughs)
1: chapter (coughs) 2. Pardon me. How many peoples does God have? (coughs) Most of us would answer, God has only one people. But God has always had two peoples. If you remember in the Old Testament,
0: the people of God were the children of Israel. But
1: Job, was he a Jewish man? No. He was not the son of Eber. Nebuchadnezzar. Was he a Jewish man? No. But he was a part of God's people. So we find
0: already in the Old Testament an indicator that there would be
1: two peoples. There would be a Gentile people, and there would be a Jewish people. And these two peoples, thank you. These these two peoples are always separate.
0: The mystery of Christ that unfolds in the book of Ephesians is that God wants to take these two
1: separate peoples and make them one people. Now today, God still has two peoples. He has we who are Gentiles, And he has the nation of Israel. God still loves both people. But he's in the process of making
0: the two people into one person. We do not see the fulfillment yet of that, but we will. It's one of the last things to happen before the coming of Jesus.
1: Let me read for you Ephesians, the second chapter. I'll begin with verse 11.
0: Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far
1: away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. I'm going to talk for a minute about this. The children of Israel are angry about the sin of the
0: tribe of Benjamin. They come up in judgment against them,
1: And they are utterly unsuccessful. They're slaughtered. It was not until
0: a blood sacrifice was offered in self-denial that finally everything began to shift and change in the battle. And the battle was won because they understood what God was doing They understood the power of the blood of the sacrifice. And because of that, they put their
1: trust in the sacrifice on the altar, and they gained the victory. In your relationships, in your work, in whatever
0: area you're struggling in today, I would urge you, ask, what is God doing in my life? What is he doing with me? And how now can I apply the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary to my situation so that it can change? It will not change through sorrow or tears. It will not change through bitterness or anger. It will change only when I recognize what God is doing in my life, and I'm willing to take this step of denying myself and putting my trust in the blood that was shed for me. If you think that your manliness or your womanliness is enough for you to win the battle, you are going to be utterly defeated and destroyed. There is only power in the blood of Jesus as he looks at physical circumstances and begins to alter them based on the application of the blood of Jesus Christ to those circumstances. Now, there's another passage of Scripture I'd like to take you to. Remember, I've told you that this book of Ephesians is a mere
1: book of the book of Colossians. Colossians, on this point, is more clear.
0: I'll begin reading with verse 19. This is Colossians, the first chapter Verse 19 For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, please follow me, don't get lost. We have Jewish people. And we have Gentile people. They are totally separate and they hate each other. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, he said, I'm going to bring these two peoples together and I'm going to make them one people. That's the purpose of God. He is doing that now.
1: Then we have what happens on earth and what happens in heaven.
0: And by the blood of Jesus Christ, he is now bringing together what happens on earth and what happens in heaven. The people of heaven and the people of earth are brought together in oneness in the blood of Jesus Christ.
1: So you have both on a grand scale of things. You have God moving.
0: And it was very interesting to me this last week to see some shots taken in space of a star that had exploded. And up against the background of that star exploding is a hand. A hand big enough to handle the whole star. The news called it the hand of God. It's not a a half hand. It is a full hand in the heavens containing this exploding star.
1: It's a beautiful picture to see. You would think an artist drew it.
0: But it actually took place in time and space
1: with a star exploding in our universe. Some 500 light years away. God is in charge of all that is happening in the
0: heavens. He's also in charge of all that is happening on the earth. And they are totally at odds with each other. And the cross stretches across between heaven and earth to bring together these two parties, one righteous and one unrighteous, to make peace between them so that they can become one. At the same time, he's reaching between Gentiles and Jewish people, and he's making them one people. Are you, are you beginning to catch it? God is in the business of taking away the separation that destroys
1: us. Planet Earth is a prison planet. We are in lockdown. And on this prison planet, God wants to take these prisoners and reunite them with heaven. And
0: he wants to take these Gentiles and reunite them with Jews so that he has one people.
1: So... When you begin to ask, what is God doing in my life? It's absolutely clear that one of the things he's doing is telling me to stop defending myself and stop making excuses and stop playing victim And begin to take responsibility for my actions.
0: And say, Lord God, how do you want to make me into one with your purpose? How do you want to draw me into your purpose? Right now we live on an earth where every man does whatever he wants to do. If you want to go punch people and try to knock them out with one blow, you can do that in America. If you want to go riot in a store and steal, you can do that in America. If you want to go work and try to make a million dollars, you can do that in America. If you want to live on welfare the rest of your life, you can do that in America. You can
1: do just about anything you want to do in America. But if you want to be one with God,
0: You're going to have to see what God is trying to accomplish in your life and begin to take steps of cooperation in denying yourself and taking a hold of this blood that's been offered by Jesus and say, I want to be a part of what God's doing. And everything that God is doing is
1: wrapped up in what is called the church. When you walk out of this house, who do you belong to? If you answer that question, I belong to myself, you're a pagan. You are not a Christian. If you
0: walk out of this house and say, I belong to Jesus and I belong to his body, now you're beginning to talk like a Christian. Our identity found not in Americanism. Our identity has to be
1: found in Jesus Christ. God is in the process of uniting
0: a people together so that he can take that
1: people and unite them with eternity. Your part in this process is to allow Jesus access to your heart and to your life with his blood to wash you, to cleanse you, to turn your
0: heart away from bitterness and anger and defensiveness and ambition,
1: to turn your heart away from every kind of wickedness, he has a plan for your life. It's not about gaining power or recognition. It's not about being liked or respected. It's about what God is doing in the earth
0: and whether or not I will cooperate with what he's doing,
1: even if it costs me my life. Let me finish this passage in Colossians as we close.
0: For God was pleased, verse 19, to have all of his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself to all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, enemies in your minds, because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, if you don't quit. Established, firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel you heard and has been proclaimed every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have
1: become a servant. I am a servant of this gospel. Everywhere I go and with everyone with whom I speak, I talk about this gospel. It's all I can talk about. I want to be a part
0: of the coming together in oneness of Jews and Gentiles. And I want to be a part of coming together with earth and heaven. I want to be a part of that deal. I don't want to be cast out into darkness. I don't want to be separated from Jesus. Only the blood, only the blood of Jesus has the power to bring this unity between us. Only the blood of Jesus can bring peace between a husband and a
1: wife. Only the blood of Jesus can bring peace between friends. Only the blood of Jesus can bring peace between a child and a parent. But we have to give up the war. So who are you fighting with today? Who's the war with today? The blood of Jesus opens the way before us. There is no other power to open the way. Now, I need to say one more thing to you. Many of you in this room have your weight set On the money
0: you make in your job. You have your weight set. On the plastic in your
1: pocket. You have your weight set. On your friends. And your lifestyle. It won't work. You're going to have to place your weight. On the blood of Jesus Christ. please, I'm not speaking philosophically or academically.
0: I'm speaking reality. If you want things changed in your physical world, the only way you can make those things change is by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you do that as you pray And you claim the promises of God. And you stand on those promises, even when, like the Benjamites, they're
1: killing you. Recently, I've been feeling like I've been getting killed. That's why the Lord has said to me, don't stop. Don't quit. I trust Jesus.
0: This walk with Jesus is not ethereal, it's not philosophical, it's it's nuts and bolts, it's practical. Things change when you say, Jesus, exercise your authority over my life. I will submit to your direction. Lead me, guide me. I claim your blood
1: to cover my life everything begins to shift and change. Let's pray. Lord, we have been estranged on this prison planet for so many years. The heavens have been closed up, and many of us have felt very alone.
0: Lord, I'm asking, could the National Prayer Chapel be a part of what you're
1: doing in bringing together peoples here on this earth who will serve you. And could we be a part of that coming together of heaven and earth? Lord, would you give
0: us the grace today to forget about ourselves and think about you and what your purpose is and what your plan is And would you please unfold it before us and order the steps of our feet because Jesus, we're getting killed. And we will praise you and worship you and honor you, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We love you.